Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more info, you can check us out on Facebook at Life Church of Columbia. Common theme throughout these three passages, these three uh, teaching moments that he has, I want to try to kind of pull them all together now and let us maybe see this from a different point of view. Uh, so before I do that, though, how about we pray? It's come to that. <laughs> Father, we thank you for tonight. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you for your word, Father. So tonight, I pray that your word just does what only it can do, that it would just pierce deep within our heart, even even deep into the things we hide and we're not sure about. God, let your word search these things out so, so that we can grow and begin to produce the fruit in our lives that you have designed us to do. And whatever good, whatever success comes out of anything we learn tonight, Father, we'll be sure to point all the glory and honor to you and you alone in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we are going to tonight. I want to talk to you about fruit, Uh, not fruit that goes to our church, like actual fruit in the Bible. Okay, Uh, I want to deal with this because I feel like, uh, especially since Dad preached, which Sunday was that? Anyway, he preached on salvation. Dad taught on salvation, like just uh, amazing, the real salvation that when you have this encounter, it changes you. Like, it does something to you. I, I love that type of real, raw gospel preaching. Uh, I like the idea of holding on to the theology that says when you get saved, you're different. You know what I mean? Like, I want to I stay true to that. And I know it sounds so obvious and maybe even so basic, but it, you'd be amazed at how, how much the church drifts from that and we buy into a... You get saved, and then hopefully you become a better person at some point. I really want to hang true to the salvation experience that we see throughout the Bible, the salvation experience we see through Jesus Christ, where you experience it and you're changed. That's what's going to lead us into this. Tonight I want to talk about fruit. And I want to kind of, like I said, I want to bring maybe a different perspective. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to use some uh, unpopular scriptures. You know, just some of those scriptures where Jesus is just honest in your face. Uh, speaking of that as well, the teaching that Dad just did this past Sunday on just, and when he got on that about Jesus, how Jesus was just so countercultural. Like he, oh, he was so amazing. I want to be that countercultural and that, what's the word he kept using? Almost confrontational but with the same spirit he did it with. You know what I mean? Uh, I feel like we have a lot of people in churches who don't mind being confrontational. It's just doing it from that spirit that Jesus did it from. Uh, it makes all the difference in the world. Are you in Matthew chapter 7? Did I tell you to go there? Matthew chapter 7, we're going to read 15 through 20. Awesome. I'm going to read everything out of New King James tonight. I may refer to some others, but we'll pretty much stick to that. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, this is Jesus teaching. He just did the course on ask, seek, and knock, and then he talks about entering by the narrow gate, and then he goes into this. Beware of false prophets. Come to, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Notice, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my time tonight. We're going to just work these scriptures. I want you to show, he's about to talk about fruit. 
And he sets it up with this. You have to understand the law of first, first mention. When he goes into the teaching, the thing that he mentions first is what's going to carry the context through everything we're dealing with. So, so notice he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. So what you see looks one way, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. Uh, so notice those two, the comparison he's makes, he makes here. He says, Even though they look one way, verse 16 says... You'll know them by their fruits. In other words, it's not based on what they look like or what they've presented to you. You'll know them based on the fruit of their lives. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, remember where we started. Remember the first mention. He goes, even so, to build on this, every good tree bears good fruit. So this is going to be our first fruit tonight. First, we're going to talk about good fruit. Went blank for a second. Good fruit. I'm doing this to help you take notes. You ready? First mention, good fruit. Even so, every, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. You are such good students. <laughs> There's always that slow one in the back. <laughs> All right. But every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear, nor can a bad tree bear. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 20, catch this. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Fruit is identification. Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by how you love. Love is the fruit. You understand that? It's the fruit of the Spirit. So we are actually characterized, remember where we started law of first mention? Not by what is on the outside of me, but my characterization actually can only come, my identity can only come from what is produced what is naturally produced out of my life. So it doesn't matter what you look like or what facade we present or what mask we put on. He said you're actually only going to be identified by the fruit of your life. So this is Jesus. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. And, I gave you more than that, didn't I, Jason? Did I give you through 23? Okay, let's go ahead and read those two. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. I'm in 21. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in the day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done wonders in your name? And then I will declare back to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now these are all some big scriptures. These last three, I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but it, they're so connected and they're so important to what we're going to deal with tonight. Because remember, he started with, they look one way, but they're actually another way, and you'll only know them by what naturally comes out of their lives, what's naturally produced out of them. And then he wraps this thing up with, many will say this, Lord, Lord, but they're not actually what you hear them saying. Many will say, but we did this, and we did this, and we did this. And these are some scriptures I've been so intrigued by for a a while. These scriptures have always stuck out to me because, first of all, there's the one side of, 
Were these people actually doing these things? Because when they said, we did many wonders, we cast out demons, Jesus says, but I never knew you. But would be a conjunction word which would agree with what they said. So you have to, there's like this crazy struggle here of, wait a second, you never knew them, but were they actually doing these things? And there's a couple of ways to look at this. There's a couple of ways to approach it, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it tonight. I'm just going to kind of toss you a, a very quick version of what I believe. I believe these scriptures represent the ultimate level of deception that will not only be alive in the last days, if you want to call them that, uh, but is even alive now where people are fully convinced they're doing great things for God and they don't actually know Jesus. Like, to them, they were speaking what they really believed. Like, I really believe I'm doing good things. That's awesome, but you don't really know Jesus. So it's, it's this understanding, because the Pharisees really believed they were doing good things, but Jesus said, you search the word looking for me, and I'm standing right in front of you, and you don't even know me. So it's this, it's this idea that you could become so deceived that you really believe you're doing these amazing wonders for God, when in reality, Jesus is sitting back saying, but I, <laughs> I don't really know you. We're not in a relationship. We're not, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't. So, so that's just kind of my, and I want to throw those in there because they're so connected. If you look at where we started, the false prophets look like sheep's. They, they're in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're wolves. They're confessing, we, Lord, Lord, we did all these incredible things, these amazing things. And he's saying, yeah, but I didn't know you. Why? Because you're only identified. How do I know you? I know you by who you're identified as. Well, if you're not identified by the fruit of Jesus Christ, then Jesus is saying, I can't know you because there's no fruit to identify you. Man. Did you catch that? The Pharisees came to John wanting to be baptized, and John said, unless you show fruits, of repentance, then I'm not going to baptize you. In other words, you're not identified as being born again because there's no fruit of repentance. So do you see the importance of fruit? Fruit identifies you as a Christian. Coming here, saying a prayer, shaking a preacher's hand, and joining a church is not the identification of a Christian. Only fruit is. He said you will, be, you will know them by their fruit. Fruit is the identification. You all with me? So this is our first uh, discourse from Jesus that we're going to deal with tonight. We've gotten two of our fruits, uh, good fruit and bad fruit. These are the two first ones we see him deal with. I want you to notice this too. In this passage, it's very important if you're studying context, if you're studying why, when, where, all these things are so important to understand who Jesus is talking to in the three passages that we're going to deal with tonight. In this first passage, the who of this is the multitude. Jesus is preaching a sermon. There's multitudes listening. There's the disciples. There's those that don't even really care. They're just there because the crowd is there. There's, there's those who are intrigued. There's Pharisees. There's Sadducees. There's everyone involved. So when you look at something like this, Jesus is dealing with several concepts because of his audience. In other words, on a Wednesday night, I'm not naturally going to get up here on Wednesday night and preach a salvation message to you. Why? Because chances are on a Wednesday night core group, all of you have already experienced salvation, so I don't have to deal with that. Instead, we're going to go into a teaching, and I'm going to start training and equipping you for the work of the ministry. So you have to pay attention. Every time Jesus is talking, he knows who he's talking to. He knows the crowd he's dealing with. And right here, he's dealing with the whole group. 
everyone's included. So he throws out, what does it mean to live with good fruit? How do you live in bad fruit? How do you see these, the difference in these two things? He makes these comparisons. Next, we're going to go to, uh, if you know anything about fruit in the Bible, you probably already know I was going here, John chapter 15, which is probably, it's my favorite book in the Bible, possibly my favorite chapter. John chapter 15. It's so much my favorite that I can't even find it because it's so good. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. It's that, it's that third one. <laughs> oh, John chapter 15, verse 1. This is Jesus. I am the true fine. I am the true fine. He's the true fine. He is. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, gosh, this is hard to read. Everyone that bears fruit, he prunes so that it would bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Excuse me. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified. By what? By you bearing fruit that gives you permission to ask what you desire, and it being done. By this, my Father is glorified. That you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Here we are again. Jesus said, God receives so much glory when you bear so much fruit. Little fruit, little glory. Lots of fruit, lots of glory. Jesus is setting us up once again. So here, he approaches things a little differently. Remember, in the first discourse, he uses good fruit and bad fruit. Only these two options. So he's saying in the congregation that he's talking to at the moment, you can find good fruit and you can find bad fruit. Now we're in John chapter 15, and he does two different things. He doesn't use bad fruit. He uses good fruit and no fruit. No fruit. Sorry, I wasn't trying to be like a trick question. No fruit. Remember he started out? John chapter 1, verse, I mean, John chapter 15, verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. So we have three different versions Jesus is about to deal with. Good fruit, bad fruit, and no fruit. So in this one, you have to stop and think, okay, who is Jesus talking to? And in John chapter 15, he's only talking to 12 people. He's only talking to his disciples. Go back and read before it. It's after the Last Supper. They've separated themselves. They're only together. They're spending this time, and Jesus is pouring into his disciples before he goes into a place to begin to pray. Oh, you want to throw something out? Yes, ma'am. 
this that we're about to talk about now? Uh, I didn't, I may have said natural fruit. I think all this I'm going to deal with is spiritual fruit. I meant it's, it's naturally produced when you're born again. Does that, does that make sense? Is that clear? Okay, <laughs> sorry, I ran through that so fast. In other words, I believe when you're born again, it's just natural to produce, to bear the fruit. So, so that's where I'm going. So in this one, you begin to look and say, okay, well, he changed it now. He didn't do good fruit and bad fruit. He did good fruit and no fruit. And it's because of the group that now he's talking to. He's got his closest guys. He's got his 12 that he has chosen to be the, the originators of the church, the ones that are going to do all this work. These are his, his guys. And he sits down and he begins to present it in a new way. Now, this is first and foremost what I want to pull out. John chapter 15, verse 2, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. The King James Version and the New King James Version did an injustice by using these three words to describe the original word that's in the context here. The original word actually means to lift up. So the original would have said, for every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts it up. He upholds it is another good term. Why? Why did this get switched around, and why is it different? Because later on you see where he says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch that is withered, and he's thrown into the fire to be burned. These are two totally different subjects. They're on totally other ends of the spectrum. The one in verse 2, when it says he takes away, is not the one he's talking about in verse 6. They're two totally different people, and I can prove it by two words. Are you ready? Every branch, verse number two, is it up there? Every branch, what's the next two words? Why would he cast out someone who's in him? He does not. He is, if God would do that, then we're better fathers than him, and there's no world where that would be real. So what does this mean? This actually means that all of us have moments and seasons where you don't bear fruit, Jen. <laughs> Right? But Jesus does not stop and say, where's my shears? They're not bearing fruit today. I'm cutting them off. I'm casting them out. They're going with everybody else. No, that's dumb. That's not even close to what it should be. So you can go into any manuscript and dig out any way you want for this word, and the original word is going to come back to he lifts up, he upholds, he picks it up. Uh, in the Passion Translation, Dr. Uh, Simmons actually gives an incredible breakdown of this, and it shows how they would do in vineyards, that when a vineyard was grown up and there was branches out and there was fruit hanging, there would be young branches close to the ground. And when they were so close to the ground, they would lay in the dirt. They wouldn't produce fruit because they were laying in the dirt. So the, the vine dresser would come and lift them out of the dirt, bring them up to a place of accountability. Can you hear me? an accountability that would cause them to be able to produce fruit. The problem is, for so long, we just bought into the fact, well, if you're not producing fruit, you're out. Well, we're all out. Everybody's out. All right, you can go home because we're all out. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's this understanding that when I'm in a moment where I'm not producing fruit, First of all, I don't build a th theology around, well, we just don't produce fruit. No, I don't do that. But I am uplifted and upheld. And I want you to see this. When the, when the vine dresser goes through the trouble, can I use that word? <laughs> As a vine dresser, who knows? When you go through the trouble 
to do what it takes to hold them up, then they are accountable and responsible to produce fruit. This is what I want you to understand. He's not saying, I forgive you, you didn't produce fruit right now. He's not, he's not going through all these things and going through all the trouble to forgive you and love you and pick you up for you to just keep being fruitless. He's doing all this because he's holding you accountable. It's like I did that wordplay, that was pretty good, huh? He's not just holding you up, he's holding you accountable saying, I'm not cutting you off, but I'm giving you the chance to produce fruit. You know what this is? It's conviction. It's when you stop at the end of the day and you're like, you know what? I was a jerk today. <laughs> like, I should probably apologize. Jesus is not at the end of the day waiting to cut you from the team. No, he's looking for the opportunity through conviction to uplift you and uphold you so that you can produce fruit. Now, why is it when Jesus is talking to the multitude, we have good fruit, bad fruit, he moves and begins to talk to just those who are in him. And when you're in him, I believe there should only be two options. Good fruit or no fruit. Because he said in the scriptures we started with, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. So if you bear bad fruit, you must be a bad tree. And the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Don't, that don't really work. I just wanted to say that so bad. Yes, go ahead. It can. That's the whole thing we're talking about tonight. Her question was, can a bad tree become a good tree? Yes, that is salvation. The Old Testament actually says it like this. And the Old Testament tells us that we were, it uses the term grafted in. I don't know if you know what that term is. It's when you take another kind of tree and you put it in this tree and that tree becomes this tree. That's salvation. That's what Jesus did on the cross. Why did Jesus have to die on a tree? Because the tree represented me being grafted into another tree, and now I produce the fruit of his tree and not my own tree. Because I spent years producing the fruit of my own tree, and it left me addicted to pornography. It left me in a broken marriage. It left me in a situation where I was disgusted with myself until I became grafted into his tree and now I begin to produce good fruit. Now I've got three beautiful kids and an amazing wife. And, and it's, it's amazing. Yes, it can become a good tree. If it couldn't, then we wouldn't be doing any of this. It's all about this. It's all about this. This is what's amazing. When he grafts you in to become a part of his good tree, then you will start naturally doing the good like you used to naturally do the bad. That's the whole that's the whole story of salvation. It's the beauty of salvation. So here we get into another moment with Jesus, and he understands he's dealing with a different crowd, and he knows this crowd is in him. This crowd, we see by the scriptures, remember the law of first mention, this crowd is in him. So he said, now that I have just you, you heard me talk about bad fruit, you heard me talk about the opposite of good fruit and bad fruit, two opposite ends of the spectrum. He said, now I'm going to bring it in, and I'm just going to talk about you. And when you're already in me, these are the options, good fruit or no fruit. And I'm convinced, based on the analogy of the vineyard, I'm convinced that maturity in Christ should deal 
with our, what's the word I want? It's not there. I don't have a good one. Our inconsistency in bearing fruit. There we go. That'll work. So in other words, the more mature I become in Christ, the more time I spend with Jesus, the more time I'm around the body of Christ, and I, and I accept the conviction that upholds me and holds me responsible, then I should have less moments of not bearing fruit, and I should bear fruit more often, which is where this whole thing originated, where I believe we're supposed to bear fruit in all seasons, and we may get there, we may not. I don't know. It's already 730. So we have three types here that Jesus is deal with. What are they? Say them for me. Be a yes. Good fruit, bad fruit, no fruit. What does he do to good fruit? He prunes it. He hones us in. You know what I'm saying? He, he begins to cut away things that just aren't necessary. And, and I'm, I think at this point... Let's, let's do it, let's do it from, a, from a position of maturity. That's where we're just at. So early on, he's cutting away things that you just shouldn't be involved in. Like, they're just bad. They're dumb, and let's let them go, and let's move on. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's the process of sanctification. Mindsets, that's a really good one. He begins to deal with even the mindsets, the way you see something, approach it, your perspective, those types of things. As you begin to mature in Christ, it becomes less about natural, fleshly sins and habits and things like that and it becomes more of that's just a weight that I don't need to be carrying for the work of the ministry that I've been called to do so so every time this is what's crazy this is one way I've seen it I've noticed uh, if you've just just how it's been for me like maybe I would have this moment I remember this was this was one of them for me there's been many but I remember one time we planned this thing at the school uh, crossfire was growing like crazy. We were literally, we, every, once a month, we were going into the school to preach, and we had over half the high school coming in. They couldn't fit us in the cafeteria. They had to put us in the auditorium. It was just growing like crazy, and one of the kids came to me and was like, we want to do a prayer meeting during our recess time, which is, I didn't even know high schoolers got recess, but they have this moment where they all go out in the courtyard, and they get to buy snacks and stuff. So I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's just pull it off. So we got out there, and we walked out, and the whole courtyard's just slammed full of kids. And it all looks like a little circle in the middle with me and two other high schoolers. And then it just waved out from that and took up. And it was just one of those, like, you're just standing there like, this is it. This is why we do everything we do. Like, this moment. And then to not only me, but to watch these high schoolers in front of almost the whole high school just stand up and pray the gospel of Jesus Christ over their high school. So it was one of those moments where you're like, gosh, I feel heavy with fruit. I don't know how else to put that, and that may be totally wrong, but it just felt like that moment, like you've just been, you've been committed and you've been pressing in, and there's all this fruit, and it felt like the next week, he just went to cutting at everything, checking all of my mindset and motives and, and just everything. And you're like, oh my gosh, last week was amazing. This week, not so much. You know what I mean? But it's that moment of him beginning to just trim it all back, get it all cut back to where you're literally just sitting there saying, it's just the vine. Like, it's, it's just the vine. Like, you may see the fruit in my life, but it's just because of the vine. I promise you, it's just because of the vine. It's just because I stay close, and I stay connected. I stay with him. I stay close to him. I choose him in so many opportunities. It's just about the vine. Bad fruit. 
Jesus is very <laughs> harsh. I don't know a better word for it when it comes to bad fruit. He curses it, he cuts it down, and he throws it in the fire. I can't find any way to make that sound better. <laughs> it just is what it is. You feel me? So based on that, let's look at one more one more story. This is going to be the last one we tie in with it, and then we're going to kind of just bring all three together. One more is going to be Mark chapter 11. This is the craziest little story just thrown in the middle of the Gospels. It's super short little thing, but it's so important. You have to understand when you find these little things like this, like technically the bulk of it is three scriptures, and it's actually kind of like a weird story. But when you, when you think about the fact that when the, when the disciples, when the apostles were getting ready to write the Bible, they were only allowed to put so much in it. Like, at the end of John, it says, if they would have wrote everything Jesus did, it would have filled all the books in all of the world. So they had to condense Jesus' life down to, all right, we got to pick out the highlight reels. You know what I mean? Like, we need them to just get this picture of Jesus in a short version. So when you think about that, and the Holy Spirit was saying, only use this and don't use this. Only use this, don't use this. This is how they were writing the Bible, okay? And when they were doing that, this story made it in. So we have to stop and be like, it's weird, but it's super important, okay? The only one I can think of offhand, and I love it, that's weirder than this. Can I use that word? Is that okay to say it was weird? <laughs> The only one that's weirder than this is when Jesus is going into town and Peter's like, hey, uh, you know, if we go in there, we have to pay our taxes, right? How are we going to do that? And Jesus is like, oh, just go catch that fish. They catch the fish and their taxes are in the fish's mouth. I'm like, how did that make it in there? But it's incredible and there's some so, just some good teaching on that. I love it. Where are we at? Mark chapter 11. I love the Bible, by the way, if you can't tell. It is, it is amazing. It's so much fun. Mark chapter 11, verse 12. Jason's just waiting on me. I'll keep rambling. Now the next day, when they come out of Bethany, he, that's talking about Jesus, Jesus was hungry. I love that. So me and Jesus did have something in common. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see it. Perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. And in response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Now we're about to pull something back. Remember when I started? I said when you take anything to study in context, you have to remember the law of first mention. It's so important because when you don't, you take things way out of context, and that's why we have so many different versions of true religion. Notice we started with, Beware of false prophets because they wear sheep's clothing, but they're actually wolves. And they may say, Lord, Lord, but in reality, I'm saying, I don't even know you. Check this. And when Jesus seen it from afar off, it had leaves, he thought perhaps it would have something on it. So it looked as though it would have something that he needed. But when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. He found nothing but an appearance of something that could not sustain him. It could not fulfill him. It could not give him what he wanted. So here we are seeing the connection from all 
three passages. And what I love is, now if you look at this one, who, that's how we have to ask again, who's Jesus talking to in this moment? It's just him and his disciples at this moment. They just left the city. They're fixing to go to the next one. They're, they're traveling. This happens. But what I love is, first, the very first passage we use, Matthew chapter 7, you see Jesus preaching to a multitude. Like, Jesus did it so often, and he was the best at it, preaching to everyone. Then we see another situation where he's brought down, and he's just teaching his disciples, just pouring into them. And now what I love about this one, he's not actually teaching them something as much as it's what I would like to call a teaching moment. Something is happening, and he's using it as an opportunity to teach them. This is how you raise your kids. This is also how Jesus raised his kids, the 12 disciples. So in this moment, Jesus sees, and, and, and notice the word play here. We, we dealt with this a little bit in Life Academy. When he's seen it from afar off. So from a distance, it looked like it would have what he wanted. From a distance, it looked like, man, that tree is the one. It's got it together. The leaves are beautiful. It looks full. It looks ripe. It looks amazing. But when he got close, when he came to it, when he was right there on it, he realized, you're not who you presented yourself to be. It's where we started. It's from the very beginning. So he said, so when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. This is the part that's so important. The tree was not in a season that allowed it to be fruitful based on the season it was in, right? It wasn't the season for the tree to have figs. So why could Jesus ask something out of the tree that the season hadn't given it permission to? My answer would be because he was standing next to it. When, G when you're that close to Jesus, it's permission to bear fruit when the seasons say you can't. It's permission to even have fruit when everything around you is saying, this is not a conducive time for you to bear fruit. You should be freaking out right now. You should be losing your mind. You should be going back to your, whatever your addiction is to deal with whatever you're going through. You're too stressed. You're too broke. You're too whatever your thing may be where your season says, this is why you can't bear fruit right now. But as long as I'm that close to Jesus, it doesn't matter what my seasons say. He expects fruit. Jesus expected fruit out of the tree. Because he was close to it. I really don't want to get too caught up there, even though it's some of my favorite teaching. I really just want to deal with this concept of where we started. This is a situation where it looks like we're dealing with no fruit, but that no fruit is actually tied to the original bad fruit we talked about. Because it was a, it was a falsehood. It was one of the words for bad there is evil or corrupt, which means to be dishonest, to gain something out of it. So it's this, it's this understanding that you can see this from two different directions, that now he's dealing with the fact that it presented itself as something that it actually wasn't. And Jesus is not a fan. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. but so, so we have these three things that he's dealt with. Good fruit, bad fruit, no fruit. Uh, bad fruit, we talked about, he cursed, cut down. This is where we see it. I want you to see this. 
This, this I believe, ties it together and begins to show you the connection here. Uh, did I give you the second part of that, Jason? Is that 20? Yeah. Here, the next morning after what just happened, says, Now in the morning, as the disciples passed by, they saw the fig tree that Jesus talked to, and it was dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For as surely I say to you, whatever, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believeth, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray and believe that you, that you receive them, and you will have them. Now remember, you've you got to pay close attention to the three passages because he's creatively working things into each one. Remember a while ago he said, when you bear much fruit, ask what you desire and I'll give it to you. Remember that? That was in John. Now listen to this. If you ask and do not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things he says will be done and he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. You see the connection Jesus is making here? So what's the difference? What is the difference between a tree that looks the way that it should, the sheep's clothing, the lots of leaves and it looks all great, the one that cries out, Lord, Lord, we did all these amazing things, but he's saying, no, I'm not about any of those. What's the difference? Faith. This is what he's bringing this thing all the way down to. You can say what you want. You can look like what you want. You can, you can project what you want. You can wear the mask. You can go through the rituals. You can go through all the motions. But if you don't have faith, it will eventually show up. It will eventually become the thing that reveals where you really are. It's really going to be the thing that eventually they're going to step back and say, all that sounded great and all you were doing was really cool. But the faith hasn't moved any mountains. The actual production of the fruit of the Spirit hasn't engaged and identified you as someone who has total faith in God. This is what he's bringing this whole thing into. So we see Jesus dealing with three different things, three different passages, and he's riddled all of them together some way so perfectly, all to come down and let us know that there was a time where you could produce bad fruit. But once you've been grafted in, you've experienced salvation, you've become a child of God, bad fruit is no longer an option, and now you've moved into a place of good fruit or no fruit. And if you're in a place right now of not really producing any fruit, you need to know that he's not cutting you off and doing away with you and throwing you out as long as you are in him. What he's actually doing is holding you up. He's, he's holding you responsible. He's holding you accountable. He's helping you to begin to produce what you were intended produ to produce. He's doing this in a way to show you that, one, if you're close to him, you can produce fruit in any season of your life. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what situation you have found yourself in. You can always produce fruit if you're close to Jesus. That is it. That is the sum total of everything that we're about, is that if you remain close to Him, you remain connected to Him, 
then we always produce fruit. So we should always be growing into the theology that says, I should always produce fruit, not the theology that says, well, God's just okay with it if I never actually produce the fruit. No, that's not it. The Bible teaches us he is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. The tree is rewarding with fruit. Do you understand that? He's looking. Jesus stood by the tree and expected it to give him fruit. We have to get back to the understanding that God is, he is not cutting you off when you don't because you're in him, but he is requiring and expecting you to produce this kind of fruit. And to see that fruit in your life as a, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, and Jesus sums it up right here in this teaching moment with them, which ultimately is you having total faith in God. Like completely, it does the, the, the church rituals, the things we go through, all of that kind of stuff, it is all for nothing if it's not backed by complete faith in God. Like when I pray for this, when I go after this, I don't doubt. Go ahead. Oh, wow. Have the faith of God. So it's the, which to me connects well with John chapter 15. If you are in the vine, if you're connected to the vine, it's his faith. It's his righteousness. It's his everything. It's his fruit. You just become the conduit through which that fruit is expressed to people. And we have to get back to the place where we are producing a faith. A faith that so believes in him, that so believes in what he says that we move based on it and we build our lives around it. And in doing so, it's producing a fruit and that fruit is identifying you as one who follows Jesus. He said, they'll know you and they'll know you're my disciple by your fruit. Not because you're a part of Life Church. Not even because you came and said the prayer. He said, because a lot of them are going to say, Lord, Lord, we're doing all kind of great things. He said, no, 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 that's not it. It's about the faith that produces this type of fruit in your life. That fruit has to become so evident. I, I feel like we've, we've become too okay with not being big on the fruit. Like, it's okay. Just, if you'll just join the church and just try to be a better person, great. One day, maybe you'll get to go to heaven. And that's what we've settled for when Jesus is saying, no, 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 you missed it. I'm looking for a faith that produces such a fruit that the people around you could eat the fruit and live and be affected, be sustained. i got to give you one more scripture before we wrap this up. And I, I don't even have it wrote down. It's in Jeremiah somewhere. Man, why didn't I write that down? Oh, wait, maybe I got it on this side. Nope, totally different teaching. Let's not get into that. All right, I'm just going to try to give it to you the best I can for the sake of not wasting all my time looking it up. In Jeremiah, it talks about a tree that's planted by the river. Do you know? It's in Psalms as well. That's the, that was the one out of Psalms, right? That's the first one out of Psalms. And uh, did somebody just tell me what the other one was? 
Jason, you're the man. For he shall be, this is actually these, what she just read in Psalms, and this one are two connected. They weave in. So I want to use this one because of the way he breaks it down. Check this, because a while ago I said when you're close to Jesus, when you're with Jesus, you can produce fruit in any season, right? And I, I will stand by that no matter what. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters. This is kind of the, the back end of everything she just read. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river. We all know this is an idiom that is representing Jesus Christ. If you're planted by him, he becomes the sustenance of your life. Just like, I'm trying to do this really quick because I'm running out of time now. Just like the branch gets all sustenance from the vine, the tree gets all of its sustenance from the river that it's planted by. You with me? And will not fear when heat comes... But its leaf, we got another one, will be green. And it, all right, so listen, the heat came. So this would be a drought or it would be the heat of summer, the dead of summer, when, when seasons are saying this is not the time for you to produce fruit. He said if you're planted by the river, you'll still be green. Doesn't matter what the weather's doing, you're still green. And it will not be anxious in the year of drought nor will cease from yielding fruit. I love this. When you are planted next to him, you will not be anxious when the season is drought. When everyone is without, when there's no sustenance, there's, it's not producing, it's not conducive, it's not convenient, it's not comfortable, it's not any of those things. He said the one planted next to Jesus remains or is not anxious and it never ceases to bear fruit. Never ceases. So all of our theology that has decided we can just go on as long as we want and never bear the fruit of Jesus and never be the example of him and never produce that kind of faith is all crushed in this understanding that Jesus was showing us here with the prophetic word of Jeremiah. He showed us in Psalms. And here in Mark chapter 11, he's saying, if you're close to me, you should be able to bear fruit no matter what happens around you. Sister Beth. By the faith of some God. Very good. So, this is my closing statement. Bear good fruit. <laughs> no, this is, this, this is it. All of this comes down. Bearing the fruit, having the faith, all this, it's all done by one thing. Being connected to him. Being so connected to Jesus that no matter what, like just having that resolve that no matter what happens, I'm going to choose to have faith and I'm going to choose to stay connected to him. I'm going to choose to press into him no matter what's going on. And I'm telling you from my own personal testimony and from my own personal experiences, you can find yourself in a season of drought and your leaves still be green. in you. He is the vine. We are the branches. I can't stress to you enough, it's him. Like it's just him. He is that. He is the one. He is the river. He is the vine. He is everything we need in every moment. And he wraps all this up letting us know it's about having that kind of faith that doesn't doubt him. That when we pray and we ask and we go for it, we don't doubt him. 
because we know he's that good. We know he's that perfect. We know he is the answer to all things. In him, all things consist. we got to understand that. So I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you to begin to evaluate your own life and begin to look, where are you on the fruit spectrum? Are we bearing fruit that other people can eat of and live? I, I had one of the greatest compliments to my construction company happen over the last week, and a person that we have worked for was telling someone else and just bragging on our crew, our company, and none of it had to do with the actual labor we were doing. It was how we had handled her. It's how we had been with her, how we had helped, just all those kinds of things. That is a fruit that goes beyond just doing Anybody can build something. Anybody can go in and remodel a house. Anybody can build a porch. I mean, carpenters are a dime a dozen. I want to go in to a situation and to a place, and I want to know that the fruit of Jesus Christ is being expressed even through the company that I get the privilege and honor to run at whatever place it may be. And I know that that always happens when I'm staying close. If I just stay close to him, he does it. He puts it out there. He produces it. He gives it out there. Let me pray for y'all. I'll just keep rambling on. I, I love this topic. Three things before I pray. What are the three fruit that Jesus dealt with? <laughs> Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you that you're just so good. I thank you that first and foremost, you were willing to graft us bad trees into you, the one true good tree. I'm so grateful and thankful for the salvation that has transformed our lives. And now I'm asking that by the Holy Spirit, you begin to prune us and uphold us and hold us responsible and accountable to begin to live lives that produce such a fruit that are so, so overwhelmed with faith in you and who you are, that the fruit of our lives becomes sustenance to those around us and those that are lost and seeking and searching, those that are hurting, those that are broken, those that are looking, God, that they could come and find a fruit that would be fulfilling to them, that would draw them in, and it would be that goodness of God found in that fruit that draws them unto salvation, Father. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, the family said, amen. Thank you guys for hanging with me tonight. I hope you got something out of it. Thank you for listening to this Life Church podcast.